It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where this week we're looking ahead to the key event that's already caught the market's attention and is likely to do so over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means discussing the first real glimpse of the economic future of UK PLC, courtesy of Philip Hammond and the Autumn Statement. And we'll find out what this... (laughs) ...has to do with shopping. I'm joined in the studio by Richard Fletcher, business editor of The Times, and Tom Knowles, our economics correspondent. And on the line from Westminster, we have Sam Coates, deputy political editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. Uh, Sam, let's start with you. But first, here's a clip of Theresa May when she entered Downing Street. If you're from an ordinary working class family, life is much harder than many people in Westminster realise. You have a job, but you don't always have job security. You have your own home, but you worry about paying the mortgage. You can just about manage, but you worry about the cost of living and getting your kids into a good school. If you're one of those families, if you're just managing, I want to address you directly. I know you're working around the clock. I know you're doing your best, and I know that sometimes life can be a struggle. The government I lead will be driven not by the interests of the privileged few, but by yours. We will do everything we can to give you more control over your lives. Sam, we seem to be hearing two conflicting stories ahead of the autumn statement. On the one hand, Mrs May wants to see measures that are going to honour that promise we just heard. And on the other, we're told the Chancellor has no money and no room for manoeuvre. What's, what's the feeling in Westminster? The feeling is that they have to square the circle and political fudges... Uh, it will be a political fudge um, of this sort, a, a, a fairly regularly produced a, to autumn statement at budget time. You're right, there is, there, is, there is essentially no money left. And any substantial money that Philip Hammond has, he's basically got to uh, keep back in order to make sure that he's got enough in his reserve in case the economy does go south um, in the next three years as we deal with, uh, with, with Brexit. Philip Hammond and Theresa May admit there'll be bumps in the road and we need just a little bit of headroom to deal with that if we need to do emergency tax cuts, some form of emergency stimulus in 2017, 2018 or 2019. However, Theresa May came in with a very clear promise that she wants to help those sorts of people who, as it were, they would call just managing. They're, they're the kind of people that are just above, uh, who earn just above the amount that qualifies you for large amounts of uh, in-work tax credits uh, or for other uh, state assistance. So it's not the very poorest she's going to go and try and help. 
uh, but those in the sort of class just above that, um, who feel that they're doing the right thing in work and yet really struggling to ma manage at the end of every week. That's fine, apart from two big problems. First of all, Theresa May came into power without any clear idea how to help the group that she wants to help. And secondly, that group, because of the numbers of people in it, in that in that group around median average um, uh, earnings, um, has a lot of people in it. So if you help that group in any substantial way, it's phenomenally expensive. And in fact, this isn't really a new dilemma for uh, chancellors and prime ministers. Going back decades, you've always had the question of how you help those people who don't earn so little or nothing that they qualify for emergency assistance um, and do have a wage but, but, but struggle. Gordon Brown tackled it by uh, coming up with the winter fuel payments as a sort of fund to help this group. Um, but really, and that ended up costing quite a lot to the exchequer, but really I'd look for small, narrow, overhyped projects that don't cost the earth uh, in order to allow Theresa May that she's starting to help the group that she shows, she says that she's in Devon Street for. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Sam's obviously right there. I, I think it's going to be quite a boring autumn statement, but let's be honest, autumn statements are supposed to be boring. You know, they're not budgets. And George Osborne's first autumn statement was, you know, a traditional autumn statement, very much focused on the fiscal position. And actually, he, he claimed at the time that, that's, that that would be the way forward. And then over time, as he sort of became more comfortable, they became more and more a sort of mini budget with jokes and rabbits to be pulled from hats. So I hope uh, it should be a, a very boring autumn statement. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Hammond's described the deficit as eye-wateringly large and has said it's important we maintain discipline on spending. So I, I think we won't expect much, maybe a bit on infrastructure. I think where we will maybe see the rabbits out of the hat is in this housing white paper that's due to come out at the same time. Uh, there are reports that Hammond really wants to shake up the planning regulations to get a bigger number of homes out onto the market a lot faster. One policy that's looking like it might be announced going to reports is regulations around the height of buildings will be loosened a lot, even if that causes protests from sort of, you know local conservative councils in a lot of towns. He just wants to really boost the housing supply, I think. And what's particularly enjoyable in the run-up to this autumn statement is watching those sort of right-wing commentators who held uh, George Osborne's feet to the fire on austerity and suddenly their columns are full of pleas for infrastructure spending, this initiative, that initiative, cut this tax. I mean, a bit like a sort of Labour Party manifesto it would be quite quite good fun to actually price uh, uh, all of those initiatives that they're calling for. Exactly what are the uh, new fiscal rules that are going to go, uh, govern how the government uh, spends money in the years to come? George Osborne, of course, had incredibly tight, eye-wateringly tough fiscal rules that require Britain's budget to be back into surplus by the time we got to about 2020. Uh, I think that Philip Hammond has already said he's going to be a lot more flexible. I'd expect the kind of rolling target over the medium term that we saw at the start of um, George Osborne's time of Chancellor. If you remember back to 2010, when he came in, he had a target of something like a, a, a current surplus over the next four or five years, which meant that the path of public spending was always coming down. But the point at which that was achieved was always five years in the future. And so it was always just over the hill. So it never quite needed to be totally delivered. Yeah, but they were tight, but then he always used to reset them, didn't he, Sam? And that's the point. If you have a as it were, flexible ta target that may at first, uh, 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 sort of first glance sound tough, 
but it is always a target that, that at whatever point in the calendar is to be achieved five years hence, there's never actually a moment where you do need to deliver on the promise. And there was an excellent piece we had by uh, Paul Johnson, which we'll put a link up to on the website uh, this week. Brilliant, brilliant comment by him, basically making the point, even if you're going to break your fiscal rules, you've got to have them, one, to uh, uh, calm the markets, two, to sort of keep your, your, your you know, other departments in line to give them a target. And it's, so it is important, even if you are going to break them, that there is some target you're heading for. Yeah, and also you have to remember that Every 1% cut to GDP raises borrowing by around 0.7% of GDP. So say if our economy is 2% lower by the end of the decade than the OBR was first uh, expecting before Brexit, that's a 30 billion deterioration in the borrowing forecast for 2019-2020. So I think it will be a lot looser, this sort of fiscal target. Sam, can I ask you here, there have been in, in recent weeks indeed talks of this division between the Bank of England and its independence and Mark Carney and, and the length of time he'll stay and the government. Is that likely to continue, do you think, or will the government, will, will the Chancellor in particular be working closely with Mark Carney, the governor and the bank to try and deliver some sort of stimulus to the economy? Well, I have to say the first few months of Theresa May being in Downing Street, uh, it's felt rocky between all three, number 10, the Treasury and, and the Bank of England. Right from the moment that she campaigned for the leadership, Theresa May made it, unclear, made it clear that she wasn't quite comfortable with the impact of what monetary policy has been for you know, the last you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. And that is effectively unresolved because there isn't much resources. She can't use her own fiscal firepower to sort that out. But I think the dynamics are very much that uh, Philip Hammond is a strong supporter of Mark Carney. He, if anything, is trying to get Theresa May on the side to make sure that he can work closely, that she can work closely with the Canadian governor. Um, it was quite interesting to see that uh, Mark Carney, even this week after he had agreed to stay on a little bit, uh, but by no means his full term, uh, was still punching the bruise of, um, in response to Theresa May's conference speech. So, so it suggests that the antagonism hasn't completely gone away. But the, really the relationship to watch, forgive me, is not involving Mark Carney. It is this one between Theresa May and Philip Hammond. Some people say it's smooth, but I get the impression, the very strong impression, that he's determined to be a, a thorn in the side of this government to make sure it doesn't do anything recklessly, economically damaging, which for the first time in the generation is possible because there are lots of different choices out there on Brexit. And just to go back to the relationship between uh, Theresa May and the Bank of England governor, I mean, that's not the only strained relationship between politicians and central bankers after, you know, across the Western world, after almost a decade of, of QE, you know, that has caused tension between bankers and, uh, you know, in the US here, uh, because it's bound to, because it's it's, it's a it's a policy that has had effects in terms of distribution of, of wealth. Central banks all around the world have been making what have become effectively deeply political decisions of the sort that uh, now politicians both on the left and the right want to argue about because QE has pushed up house prices, kept savings low, and politicians want to capitalise it, campaign against it, and turn it in, and, and as it were weaponise it. So you do have this problem that central banks in effect, can't be as, quote-unquote, independent as they were 15 years ago when their sole job seemed to be to notch up and down a quarter interest rate um, uh, on a monthly basis. All right, thanks for that, Sam. We'll sit tight and we're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we're going to be looking ahead specifically to next Friday. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? 
Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Well, next Friday is in fact the day after Thanksgiving in America when the traditional holiday season shopping starts. But the crowd scenes you heard at the top of the podcast were in fact recorded in Britain. Richard, Black Friday, very much an American invention, but it's beginning to impact over here. Does it really affect retail sales? Yeah, it does. We saw we saw last year a number of retailers uh, blame Black Friday for profit warnings. It's a tradition in the US, and I listened to a very interesting podcast the other day about how you know everyone's inventing celebration days now. There's going to be an International Men's Day apparently quite soon. But you know, Black Friday that it was it was a big shopping day in the US. But with internet shopping, uh, it was inevitable, I suppose, that it would. It would arrive here um, partly thanks to Amazon, uh, who who bought it here first. It's not good for retailers. It's bad enough trying to juggle your sort of profit margins and and your business in the run up to what is the busiest time of the year for the vast majority of retailers, uh, and then to sort of throw a sale, uh, a limited day, or supposedly, although now they seem to stretch into a week's sale into that mix. Uh, I don't think it's very helpful. Yeah, I think it's already dying down a bit in Britain. I think uh, the online side of things, it, it, it's still continuing. But I don't think we're going to carry on seeing these sort of protests in shops where people are having actual physical fights over a TV. I, I think that was just a, a hype over two years. And and already you get on Black Friday, sort of, it seems like more reporters queuing up outside shops hoping for you know some violence than actual shoppers. So I, I, I think it's a passing fad in a way. And I suspect it's here to stay, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, But as, as we had a survey from Witch earlier this week that showed that only 38% or 38% of, of the bargains supposedly on offer on Black Friday aren't actually bargains and the prices were in that old trick of uh, furniture retailers the prices were increased for 90 days ahead of Black Friday and then slashed uh, for Black Friday back to where they were before they were pushed up. A final thought from you Sam I mean consumer confidence I mean we were talking here about retail sales and specifically a day uh, that marks the, the, the start of the shopping season but Overall, I, I assume that consumer confidence and retail confidence in particular is very important to the government. Yeah, one of the reasons you're having such a loud argument over people being too optimistic or pessimistic on Brexit is because if consumer confidence starts falling off a cliff, then all the numbers, the GDP numbers, start falling fairly sharply further down the track. Politicians um, in government are desperate for consumer confidence to, confidence to hold up. And one of the reasons that you hear such a high volume argument over, over um, and, and people who are too gloomy about uh, the economy in the light of Brexit get a telling off is because if consumers start pulling back spending, uh, then that will have a, 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 a quite a rapid um, downward effect on, 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 on GDP numbers. But the bottom line is that most economists think that we've got a cost of living squeeze coming up fairly shortly. They think that earnings are going to be pretty static, but inflation is going to be relatively high over the next few years. That's exactly the kind of thing that caused a lot of wobbles in the last coalition government. And it looks like people might be starting to feel the effects of that in sort of 2019, 2020. And guess what? That's probably the year we're going to have the next general election. That yes. is something that p- the politicians are rightly worried about. Yeah, it's not an easy time to be a business editor because, uh, as I'm sure you notice, Sam, um, depending on which paper is reported on the same statistics, they can come up with very different conclusions. Yes, but our ones are right. And Absolutely. Are well, we try and be balanced and, 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 and honest, but it's... Uh... We're both, both balanced whilst also being right and the opposition being wrong. Well, you yes. can't top that. 
I think we'll leave on that very balanced point of view. Well, that's about it for now. But uh, remember, you can keep up to date with all the news and analysis online, on your phone, tablet or indeed in the paper. If you're a subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails. And if you would like to become a subscriber, simply go to thetimes.co.uk and you'll get one for a pound. If you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. And please do feel free to post your comments. We'd love to hear from you. My thanks to Sam Coates in Westminster and Richard Fletcher and Tom Knowles in the studio. They are all on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Business Britain.